Hello and welcome to the very first episode of a very special podcast entitled Nick. Nick and John is this Evangelion. Nick and John is this Evangelion. Yeah. Which is our rewatch. I guess we should introduce ourselves. I'm John. And I'm Nick. And we are from Big Punch and we really love Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> and this podcast is going to be us discussing Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. And doing it episode by episode. Where it all began for us with our love for Mecha, and maybe anime in general, actually. Yeah. Because it was definitely one of the first, if not the first, like anime series, anime show that I watched yeah, when and I was it, younger. And it was very, uh, it was kind of, um, definitely made an impact on me. <laughs> like, uh, oh, oh, that's, that's a good pun. That's a good pun. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it really made an impact on me. Mm. And I think we, we, will, we will obviously touch upon this, but mm. certainly a lot of Evangelion has worked into some of my stories. Yeah. Like I've kind of, there's a little subtle references the here. The bigness, the epicness and the weirdness. I definitely think. the weirdness. That yeah. really struck a chord with me. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I guess before we get too much into it, uh, how how should we how, should, <laughs> how do we even begin? Where do we begin? Um, well, obviously, the format for what we're going to do is we're going to watch an episode. That's a very good Scott. Yeah. yeah, and then we're going to come down, sit, and have a chat about what we've just seen. We've got a few things we'll sort of cover as we talk about it, um, and just sort of kind of relive it, really. I suppose. Yeah. Like remember, because because it's ages since I've I've been watching. We've we've both been watching the rebuilds, the, yeah. the new movies, but like the original show. We actually haven't... I haven't seen for years. Like, I feel like I remember it really well. Because Evangelion, I mean, like, it didn't... It originally screened in the late 80s, early... This is how bad we are. Like, we should do our research. <laughs> but it, it was like... It was one of the early pioneer... I mean, going back, I mean, you think of Japanese mecha, and mm. you have... We'll say something like Gundam. Yeah. Gundam is a uh, Japanese institution. Uh, you know, when you think of mech... It's 95, actually. 95? Okay, it there we go. began broadcasting in Japan on TV Tokyo in October the 4th, 1995. There and ended in 96, so... But as an anime, like, it's it's very highly regarded. Like, it, it, it it's like the godfather yeah, yeah, of, like, exactly, mech yeah. things. Yeah, Quite literally, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, um... I, now, you're... Okay, this is how shoddy this podcast is. We need to think of, like... Uh, we need to do our research. But what's the director's name? Hideaki Anno. Hideaki Anno. Now... Well, he's, he's the writer. I think he is the director as well. Yeah, written and directed by Hideaki Because I'd heard it said that he, in particular, the Mecha or Eva designs mm. in Evangelion were kind of like a reaction to like Gundam. Yeah, I mean, he didn't design them, obviously, because I don't think he's an artist. Oh, okay. No, no, they, yeah. they, had a, they had a special... Um, he's, he's quite a famous Mecha designer. I'll look up his name as well in a second. Okay, but they but, tried to take it very much the other way. I think, yeah, from, from the beginning there was a feeling of this isn't going to be like your classic story. Although, interestingly, there are some tropes that remain, like child pilots, for example, seems to be a continuing trope for all Mecha stories and always has been, you know, because we were watching some um, Tetsujin 28, weren't we, the other day? Oh, yeah, which is... And a, yeah. although that's not a piloted one, again, it's a child teamed up with a yeah. giant robot. I think that that seemed to be a really like core idea that the, mm-hmm. that the Japanese had for their mecha stories. Well, yeah, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's like just as Western popular, we uh, I, I don't want to say sci-fi, but you know, fantasy stuff seems to have uh, condensed around superheroes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Much particularly as, now. Yeah, <laughs> and the, but like you look at like Japanese culture, and yes, there are people we might describe as superhumans. But mecha is 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 a genre, mm. and it, it's massive. It's Definitely. like much as uh, you know, my first instinct growing up was to 
come up with superheroes and you know have comics with superheroes in some you know if I'd been born in Japan maybe my gut instinct would have been to design a mech series maybe you know yeah. and then you think what makes what makes this series stand out what's the defining yeah. feature of your of your mech as yeah. it were and I certainly think that the defining feature for Evangelion like off the bat was very much a sort of a story about people and broken people particularly very very broken people uh, families um, you know relationships within families and outside of families and also like as we as a lot of people I think probably know is that Hideaki Anno was suffering from depression yes and a lot of that was flooded in and he had a lot of like he had a lot of emotion, which I think he used Evangelion as a vehicle to, to like get out yeah. and talk about, uh, which maybe <laughs> maybe came out in some ways really well, in other ways rather oddly. But, but you know, at least he was doing something. Like he wasn't just telling like this classic, hmm. like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to beat the crap out of everything." It wasn't just this big testosterone fueled violence fest at all. You can't like out of everything that Evangelion is, and it's something we talk about a lot. Where you get a lot of animes where. They are everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't Cover just, all the bases. Yeah, exactly. You can't just have an anime about, like, uh, a robot. No. It's got to be... It's, a, it's about a robot, obviously, but <laughs> there's all this framework. Like, yeah. it's a school drama. It's a comedy. It's yeah. it's a romance. It's like... A, it's a little bit kind of carry-on. Like, a little bit kind of saucy. <laughs> yeah. So, it has... Uh, you can't accuse Evangelion of not being ambitious. Like, it's got... <laughs> You know, everything from robots punching monsters, which is fun. Yeah. Going all the way to kind of, like, meaning of life territory, like... A coming of age. Man and God. Yeah. Uh, then you have a boy in his isolation from his father. Religion and, and technology. It's just mad. It's, uh, yeah. Every, yeah, it's, it's like... But it's not everything in the classic way of doing everything. Like, we were talking about with anime, it's trying to hit all the... You know, we've got to have a we've got to have a school, we've got to have a high school, we've got to yeah. have a senpai. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not hitting all of those things, but it's hitting all of the, like, these really big, meaty, psychological and social mm-hmm. issues, weirdly, in a mecha anime. <laughs> well, I mean, um, if, uh, if our intro uh, so far would appear to have gone, you know, touched on everything... Yeah. Um, that's maybe a bit of a metaphor for the series. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe you're listening to this and uh, you're familiar with Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, maybe you're listening to this because you just like hearing us waffle about things. Maybe you're curious and you've never heard Neon Genesis Evangelion. So, Nick, for the benefit of our listeners and without touching on some of the, like, the bigger things, which we know are coming up later... Mm. What is Neon Genesis Evangelion about? Wow, that's a big question, John. <laughs> and, okay, okay, okay. Could you describe Neon Genesis Evangelion in a sentence? What's the elevator pitch? Elevator pitch, I suppose, would be something along the lines of um, the world has ended mm-hmm. to all intents and purposes. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but it opens with that, practically. Okay, horse before the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Um, everything everything that we thought we knew about religion and space and the universe is coming mm-hmm. um, and we have reached a point where we have uh, sort of played with biology and technology to create machines to combat that but we are in way over our heads yeah. and, and although the Avers are a grand weapon designed biologically and with some sort of uh, technological aspects as well to fight yeah. Uh, a menace that isn't alien it isn't religion it's something entirely different to that greater than everything that we've ever had to fight before yeah um, we still don't really know how to do it okay <laughs> and then like maybe uh, another way of describing it is like uh, 
Because it because it because it, it opens except in the year twenty fifteen. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now the recent past, uh, and as you say, it's post apocalyptic uh, because of something called second impact. Yeah. So which I, throws into mind a meteor. Yeah, but, it, but it's not. A no. Meteor. no. So so basically, uh, yeah, it's like something happened. There was a post apocalyptic event called uh, second impact yeah. around the turn of the millennium. As a result. Uh, much of humanity has been killed. Yeah, I, I, I forget the exact numbers. But There's much, much fewer people alive. Yeah, on now. yeah. something like the human population has been reduced to about like two billion or something mm. like that. And in the aftermath of this, uh, the oceans have risen, and the UN has emerged as a world power. Yeah, kind of uh, keeping the remaining countries together. Very militaristic sort of rule. Yeah, yeah. And uh, basically. The angels are returning. Yeah. This is kind of like, you're not presented with a lot of information, but basically, yeah, the series is about a young boy, a 14-year-old boy called Shinji Ikari, who is given the seemingly impossible task of piloting a giant biological, technological robot weapon, weapon yeah. called Neva against the angels. Yes. And we have no idea what they are. We yeah. have no idea why he has to pilot it. Yeah. Uh, and we have no idea whether or not he can even whether yeah. he can even win. And then stuff happens. Yeah. And it, and it's <laughs> and it's so much more than just robots punching. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like it's yeah. incredibly heavy in the symbolism. Uh very very big bold ideas because mm. it, it's dealing with nothing less than like Creation, yeah, creation. Like yeah. you know, uh, man's relationship with God, uh, the end of the universe. Like it's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it has to start somewhere, and I guess that's episode one. Yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, how do they decide to throw us into? You know, how do you start telling a story like that? Where do you begin? Well, what's the, what's the title of episode one? Uh, Attack of the Angel. Okay, that, okay. Yeah. So that's pretty. So uh, so yeah. So um, angel attack. I apologize. Groovy. Angel, angel attack. attack. Yeah. Okay, so. Just to kick kick things off and uh, kind of get you used to the format of the podcast, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to spend one episode of our podcast talking about one episode the show. of Evangelion. Yeah. And if you are an aficionado of Evangelion, we are going to work our way through the original series, which I believe is like 26 Six episodes. Yeah. Then we're going to watch two of the original movies. Uh, Death, Rebirth and End of Evangelion. And then we're going to work our way through... The new rebuild of yes. Evangelion movies. Of which there are currently three. Uh, of four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the fourth has not been released. Uh, no. And by the time we finish this series, who knows? Maybe who knows it, where we'll be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe yeah. it will have been. Um, so, yeah. So, um, to get uh, to get things guide, episode one, we're mm. going to talk our way through episode one. Yeah. Talk about the plot, what it meant, what we touched upon, how it made us feel, mm. ultimately. Feels. So, uh, how does it open, Nick? Where do we kick off? It opens really quite interestingly. It opens very sort of quietly, and I remember we were just watching it just now. And, and uh, though I do remember that, it was it was quite striking. But we're basically just over what looks like a completely ruined metropolis. Yes, skyscrapers sitting at, sticking out of water that reaches halfway up. Yeah, um, and scenes of like it's kind of calm, calm, but it feels like calm before the storm. Yeah, but also like a peaceful devastation. Because, yeah. Because immediately you're seeing... The city uh, has been ruined for years. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, no one's fixed it. No. Clearly, so, but clearly that's not an issue. And, and, and that immediately puts into mind that the entire world is like this. Yeah. Everything. And, and there's so much fixing to be done that they, they can't even begin. So they didn't bother. But it's also kind of beautiful. Oh, yeah. That, which Because yeah. you're getting like these jarring images where you see toppled skyscrapers 
submerged, as yeah. you say, like really deeply submerged. So we know the ocean has risen. It's risen massively, yeah. But also like the sun is shining. Yeah. It's beautiful. And the cicadas are singing. Very recurring thing yeah. throughout all of the Evangelion, because except in Japan, uh, always give the impression of being a really hot summer. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, we, um, we're told that like the climate has changed later on, which in the is series. why the cicadas are so significant. Apparently, yeah, because it, it, that that is meant to be sort of a sort of subconscious indicator. I think that things are a bit different now. Yeah, and it's like perpetually summer yeah. now, isn't it? Like yeah. the weather is always amazing. <laughs> um, but we should point out, I guess, before we go any further, that it goes. We we see like all this quiet desolation seconds after possibly the greatest intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The greatest intro, intro credits, yeah. They are um, <laughs> they're just a amazing. Work, <laughs> a work of beauty. Yeah. Um, they, um, I don't even know. I mean, if you haven't seen Evangelion, um, then the only thing I can suggest that you do is just go straight to YouTube and just type in Evangelion, like Neon Genesis Evangelion intro credits because yes. cause it, is, it is a special, special thing. But there's this really upbeat, practically Japanese pop song that plays over the top of practically impossible to understand imagery yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen the show yet. And also, I mean, if you found our description of this show a little bit hard to follow, I mean, the intro does nothing to help. Because it's, it's like, it's, it's very upbeat. It is very it's upbeat. It's really kind of like, kind of... Yeah, sort of... Sort of thing. Yeah, it's a bit like that. It's exactly It's really kind of like catchy, but then you're seeing in classic anime style, you're just seeing like... Mean, meaningful scares characters in profile turning to face the camera yeah everyone turns and looks what are they thinking what Words are they looking on screen, at flashing for a second disappearing and then about halfway through it suddenly kicks up a notch and you're just getting yeah. like 101 images of robots like technology and, and, and things opening and doors and valves closing and like what is happening yeah. what is all of this and um words flashing up on the screen like second impact and <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like intentionally trying to confuse you yeah but it's so kind of... I often think actually that might be the theme for the entire show. Yes. The intentional confusion. And that's something we're going to be touching yeah. on more as a series. I mean, this, this is the thing, because we know where this goes. Yeah. Which makes it harder, because we're trying to take each episode as it comes and not get too far into, like, but the thing spoilers. Is, yeah, we know exactly what it's capable of. <laughs> but yeah, so you get the most upbeat, exciting intro you could imagine. You're like, yeah, it's going to be... Woo! Cool robots. I'm psyched. This and is going to be upbeat and fun. And then <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon. Here we go. <laughs> oh! And then silence. Quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you. But then we. So yes, yeah, so you see loads of broken buildings. Yeah. But then we see lots of normal-looking city. Yeah. It looks like Tokyo. Which doesn't seem to be wrecked. Yeah. But it seems, I think we get a, a bird's eye view of sort of like islands. And I think basically we can assume that Japan, the water's risen so significantly mm -hmm. that Japan is kind of like a series of very closely neighbouring islands. Yes. Now. So this is, uh, and, and we see this uh, beautiful city. Mm -hmm. It's not utopia. It's not. It's nothing special. It just looks, no, like, it just a looks normal, like a normal city. Yeah. Real, real Surrounded world. by ocean. Yeah. Mm. This is Neo-Tokyo. Yes. As we're told. Yeah. So, but it's abandoned. Mm. Uh, so empty streets uh, can't see a thing uh, we do however see a uh, oh we're hearing like a military broadcast yes yeah, and we see we? tanks lines and lines of tanks all pointing in the same direction out to sea yeah waiting on a which is a, a very small thing but something I kind of liked it's like uh, 
you see this mountain, beautiful kind of mountain highway. Yeah, spiraling uh, around a mountain almost. Yeah, like water on one side, uh, green hills on the other. Very vertical. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's really nice. It's quite seri- uh, uh, picturesque. It's lovely. Yeah. But then tanks. Just tanks, is like just copy and pasted tanks, like hundreds of them. <laughs> hundreds of all with their guns pointing out at sea. Yeah. So And for a split second we see something swimming under the sea. Oh do we? Yeah, yeah. Oh I missed that. I, I think you I might have been writing a note at that point. Oh yeah. Well. But yeah, you see what looks like a large green shape, but you have no idea of being able to see its form or what it is, but it definitely looks like it's not like uh, a machine. Yeah. Something is swimming underwater, but it cuts back, we're looking at the tanks again, we're looking at the tranquil scene, everything's lovely. Let's ignore the big thing we just saw swimming in the sea. It's fine, guys. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Yeah. Just don't worry about it's, it. This is not gonna blow up. And there's like a little bird resting on one of the barrels uh, yeah. of, the, of a tank's gun. Absolutely. Uh, and then, so yeah, abandoned city, and we see this blue car yeah. uh, kind of driving along. Yeah. And we see, uh, we're introduced to Misato... Katsuragi. Katsuragi. Yeah. Uh, what's her rank? General? Major? Major. Major, Major Katsuragi. Yeah. Um, you, you refer to her more as Katsuragi, yeah, and I, I refer do. to her more as Misato, Misato and yeah. I'm terrible at keeping track of the names <laughs> in this show anyway. So we'll do as best we can. But we see this young woman. Yeah, purple uh, hair. Uh, yes, uh, kind of like in her 20s. Yeah, early 20s, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Long black hair. Oh, no, sorry, long pur- purple, purple, purple hair. hair yeah. And she's driving a blue sports car around this abandoned city. And, uh, I mean, you got to take it on face value, but she's wearing like a kind of very stylish black dress. Mini dress? Yeah. Like, uh, we gave her a rank. We know that she is... She has a military, but at this role. point we didn't. We wouldn't know that. If no, we were watching it for the first time, so just a woman driving a car. So you just see this pretty lady driving around in a blue sports car, and she's saying something like, "Oh, where is he?" Trying to find him. Yeah, she's trying to find someone. Yeah. We don't know who. So then we cut to a boy, a on boy the phone at a at a payphone. <laughs> Interesting. This is twenty fifteen. Excellent. <laughs> He's point, on the payphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, do you ever see a mobile phone? Well, her car has one. Okay, that's true. Yeah, yeah. a car phone. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. But that was like a predictable form of future technology. Yeah, then, I suppose they never saw they never saw a phone coming at all. So we see this uh, rather weedy looking. Yeah, in what uh, looks like it, uh, a school uniform. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's just wearing a white shirt and trousers. And he's standing on this beautiful sunny street on a payphone. Completely abandoned. He's obviously completely alone. Like maybe just been dropped off by a bus. Maybe or something like that. I never. You never yeah. quite. Not sure. And he's on the phone to someone. We don't, we don't know, who. know who he's on the phone to. Think, but he's like, like he's expecting to be picked up yeah. or something, and there's no one there. Yeah. So then he's like, "Oh, that's odd." Yeah. And he never seems to say anything. So this is Shinji. Yeah. By the way, this is <laughs> this is the hero of the piece. This is Shinji. We're going to be spending a lot of time with with Shinji, Your dear little Shinji, as it happens. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure things will get better for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be happy. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Shinji. Uh, is for all we for all, for all we know we don't know much about where he's come from but he's just been dropped off by someone who clearly just left him on an empty street yeah he's been dropped off in a seemingly abandoned city there's not a <laughs> not a single sign of life and he seems to be taking this yeah pretty well taking like, things in his stride at the moment I mean he doesn't seem happy but he doesn't seem upset either yeah like he's he just like oh well no one's here to pick me up mm. seems pretty normal and then there's a massive Explosion. Yes. What well, doesn't he briefly? He... For a split second, he sees Ray. So who is Ray? Well, we'll get to Ray. So, so let's rephrase that. He sees. <laughs> he, he looks down the street. And for a split second, he sees a girl with a short bob of blue hair. Yeah, just in kind a school of uniform. Scanning in, in the, the middle of the highway. But then she's kind of gone. But then she, he looks back and she's gone. The yeah. highway's empty. So what was it? Her, yeah, yeah, clearly she wasn't really there, and clearly he imagined or dreamt something. That's how it's. That's how it's framed. Yes. Yeah. 
But then, as you said, massive explosion. Mm. And, and. Uh, you know, everything shakes around him, you know, like uh, rubble's falling from the buildings, which are obviously not well kept. Yeah. And um, he looks concerned, but he doesn't really know what that explosion was, and neither do we at this point no. either. For um, all we know, this, this, this show could be about anything. Yeah, at yeah. this point. And then with the camera cut to the view of a hillside, and we can see UN aircraft sort of backing up. Yeah, he's kind of like... Um... Rotary, there's a name for him. I, I, I forget. Yeah, like, I, I feel like they were in Thunderbirds, like something that looked just like those ships yeah. were in Thunderbirds. These big, chunky, kind of like rotary engine, double rotated helicopter, helicopter things, kind yeah. of. And, and they, there's a good few of them. There's like six, but they come from like behind a mountain. Yeah, as though they're they're sort of backing away from something. Yeah, and there's a few more big explosiony type sounds, and then from behind the mountain, in you know the the same direction that the helicopters have been leaving from. Yes, comes. A impossibly huge, <laughs> really obscure, really weird-looking creature. It's, it's massive. A, yeah, it's a giant. Yeah, absolutely giant, and it is. Uh, it's humanoid. Yes. So uh, it's got arms and legs. In so much as it has arms and legs, and it's bright. Well, it's not bright. It's like a darkish green. Yeah, it's like a muddy, muddy kind of green. Yeah. Uh, it has ri- like uh, exposed, exposed ribs in the middle of it's it. It's very spindly. Yeah. Like wide, really shoulders. wide shoulders with big bone-like things on its shoulders, like yeah. like plates. But it has like um, it's got these exposed ribs, and you can kind of see like this glowing red orb in the middle, of somewhere it. embedded in its chest. Yeah, and and it has this mask on yeah. where its face should be. It kind of looks a little bit like those Venice doctors' masks. Yeah, like a, a plague doctor. plague doctor. Yeah. yeah, it's got like this white uh, circular esque mask with two eye holes and then a long beak. Long beak. Yeah. So it's it's, it's pretty freaky. Yeah, like, it's a weird looking thing. And its head and its mask. This mask seems to sort of like rotate and click kind of like it's um, I don't know like cocking its head almost yeah but it's yeah, it doesn't turn or anything the head just rotates like two dimensionally around a point but this is although the series has given no framework yet this is an angel this is yeah which is something we know and which something that as a viewer you're very quickly kind of and these are the main monsters of the show yeah the things that, that we will fight and it looks impossibly alien yeah like so weird which is something I something I really when I watched this series originally, something that really stuck with me mm. was the idea that, like, you call it an angel. Yeah. Uh, but big... angels are always so classically good. Like, exactly, they've yeah. they've always been good. Yeah, and it's like, um, you get... It's, it's the weird uh, dichotomy of calling it... We have this idea of what an angel is. Yeah. And then this horrible alien-esque monster kind of turns up. Yeah. But, oh, it's an angel. Yeah. And it's like, what? what? Like, what, what, what's <laughs> what? going on? Like, what is this? Where did it come from? Did it escape from a lab? Did it come from space? You've just got no exactly. idea. Yeah, exactly. I remember I remember watching it when I first found out that they were angels. I was like, well, in a weird sort of way, it makes sense. If heaven was real and God was real yeah. and angels were real, what is to say that they would look anything like a man with beautiful white feathery wings on them? Because that kind of thing only makes sense for us mm-hmm. and with our understanding of the world and, and, and it's very clear that whoever came up with the archetypal angel had been you know had only been exposed to the things that mm-hmm. a man could possibly I've seen a swan I've seen a man I'll put a man and a swan together bam done it but this is the thing and like um, you know I, 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 I'll, I'll touch on some of this later because like this this was a massive influence for me but I really on, on two levels I really love the idea that say we ever encountered alien life mm. as a species there's no guarantee it would look anything no. like it would just 
how do we have any guarantee it would look like anything we we could even describe as being alive yeah. like it could be I think alien design is potentially one of the most fascinating things you can do as a creator yeah 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 you know, like, and when I say alien I don't mean just from another planet I mean alien to our concept of what life mm-hmm. is because we only ever have like cows and swans and man and you know eggs to go on yeah. you know <laughs> well yeah exactly what, what, how different could it be but I, I remember like back in because uh, uh, it's a very teenage thing I think and Again, one of my early attempts at writing comics was uh, a very... Um, it was angels versus demons, you know, which seems to just be the default thing when yeah, any teenage boy comes... Yeah, as well, actually. <laughs> but, like, uh, looking at, like... Uh, angel so cool. Yeah, yeah, but, but looking at, like, angelology. Yeah. Which is, like... It's very kind of fringe Christian religion. Cause yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like... They, I, I, I mean, I think hardcore Christians actually try to sort of dumb that side of things a bit down. Yeah, let's not... Yeah. yeah. But, like, if you look at, like, uh, the Gnostic, which is the more kind of um, crazy, uh, radical side of Christianity, um, like the books which didn't make it into the Bible. Yeah, the Pope's got locked in his cupboard somewhere. Like. <laughs> yeah, the forbidden text. <laughs> yeah. But it's the like... Wax diabolique. <laughs> but it's like you've got the different orders of angels. Yeah. Which uh, I used to know. It's like angels... Archangels, uh, powers, thrones, dominions, oh, right. cherubs, seraphim. seraphim. And yeah. I think I've missed one out. Right. But it's like, uh, or the wheels. Did I mention the wheels or the thrones? You, didn't, no, you said thrones. But... Yeah. But it's like some angels are described as being a wheel of fire. Yeah. And I remember reading some of them were like, is it Metatron or something? It's described as just being 101 eyes and 101 arms and 101 <laughs> wings. It's like, what is this? Just a ball of biology. And it's like, and and say, you know, say there is actually like an intelligence shaping the universe. The kind of, you know, we kind of assume it's human. Yeah. Like, because we, because... Well, that's we, all we can relate to. Yeah, when yeah. we think of God, we think of God as being like a kind of... A big beardy man in the yeah, sky. Yeah, he's like a reflection of us. Yeah. But like, genuinely, if there's an intelligence guiding the universe, it would be so far removed from anything we could possibly imagine as yeah. a living thing. Absolutely. Why, like... Why would it be cuddly? <laughs> you know, that's kind of like the way my mind kind of leans. I'm thinking like, is there, if there is some guiding intelligence of the universe, it would be utterly alien. Yeah. Which is something this series brings massively to the fore. Like, yeah, yeah. And the, it's, it's almost like um, a little bit Lovecraftian. Yes. There's very few tentacles. Yeah. Uh, Thank goodness. <laughs> but it's like, you know, he talks about the idea of cosmic horror. Mm. And, and the, the scariest thing, regardless of like how ugly the monsters looked, was the idea that the universe was vast... That there were some uncaring, problems. yeah, and just and we were ants, we were tiny by comparison. The insignificance of life and the earth, is, yeah, is just intense. Like, and then these things turn up, yeah, and not only are they vast, they're all gigantic, they're vast, they're weird looking, probably like the weirdest character designs you probably ever find, monster design wise, definitely, yeah, but also like. What? And they're called angels, and we have no we have no frame of reference for them. We have no way to conceive what we're seeing yeah. at all. And I think that's really important. And I think that's another thing that this show does really, really well is by keeping us in a state of absolute confusion. We feel at, we feel like the people in the story. Yeah, you like, have no idea. What's you're living going on. on this planet, and everything has gone so badly. And now, now these monsters are turning up, and they seem unstoppable. They seem so weird and so like impossible to relate to. And we've had it so bad already, and now these things are coming. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, give us a break, kind of thing. And it's almost like when you're watching a show, it's just like, give me a break. Like, what? Like, what is happening? But also, like, they're called angels. Yeah. And I can't stress this enough, but like, when something that horrible turns up and it's called an angel, 
And you think, what does that say? Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're apocalyptic. Like, the world has almost been destroyed. Then these things turn up and they want to kill us. Yeah. But they're but called, we're calling them angels. And it's yeah. like, does God hate us? Yeah. Like, are, are we just utterly screwed? This right is definitely now? the end. Like, yeah. everything is over. Like, yeah, exactly. Because you would, you, another thing about the term angel is that you defer to it. So it's like, yeah, well, they yeah, know yeah. better than us, obviously. Yeah. Like, if a, if a, if a beautiful man came down with big, feathery wings and told us that we had to do x y and z we'd be like probably should he's an angel you mm-hmm. know like Ooh. but now this thing shows up also calling itself an angel but all it wants to do is destroy everyone yeah. and everything and, what, and what is it saying when like not only are angels monstrous but they're impossible to communicate with yeah and they want to wipe us from the face of the planet which like, again is very believable because why on earth would we be able to speak the word the, the english language to it yeah. and it would understand there's and just, just no way and it's like what the hell is going on? Yeah. So yeah. So it's a lot to be said for calling your your weird ass monsters. Definitely. And it's something I would um and clearly something which really struck a chord with me because I've 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 been doing this for years, but like in a story, come up with something wonderful. No, a horrible. Come yeah. up with something horrible, but give it a really nice name. Because that's <laughs> yeah. like ooh, oh, just, yeah. really knocks you for six. If everyone's terrified of something called the flower. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like oh that's like, really what, good. What actually. is it? Yeah, what the yeah. hell's it gonna be? Anyway, sorry, but yeah, a little bit of a sidetrack there. But, no, but that was exciting. Shinji uh, is, is in a city yeah. on his own. Massive angel attacks. He has, we, we did forget to say, uh, he has a photo. Yes, he has. <laughs> of the woman that we've just seen driving the blue sports uh, car. And can we take a moment to talk about this photo? Oh, do we have to? <laughs> because I, you can't, it's like you've got to take the rough with the smooth. And you can't. With all anime, this, you have to. Yeah. But you can't praise like you know we, we, we can't we, we can't praise it exclusive we can't just say it's called great no because <laughs> with the one hand we've just sung the praises of how amazing the angel design is yeah but at the same time there's some weirdly I would say weirdly inappropriate yeah uh, sexual stuff and not inappropriate this. just because you know we're, we're like prudish or anything inappropriate to the story yeah like where's it, it coming from it doesn't fit with the tone and the way that the story's going you know it, it, it doesn't make sense to if you're building this big say horror scene in a movie to suddenly cut to you know a little animated Pikachu just running around like yeah. that would totally kill the mood it would kill the the, the atmosphere yeah the tone building. is a bit kind of exactly yeah. and in the same way <laughs> this this show does it with this photo so like uh, Shinji uh, we've seen Misato driving uh, a car yeah. looking for someone pretty woman in her 20s yeah. we see Shinji who uh, is, in his, is 14 we know that because that's yeah. a big story point uh, waiting to be picked up no one has turned up to pick him up mm-hmm. and he has a photo and it is a photo of Misato uh, kind of smiling for the camera Bending over yeah. to kind of show a not inconsiderable amount of cleavage. Absolutely. Uh, and so she has she has written on this picture. She seems to have done, yeah. That's she has like doodled over her, yeah. her own photo. And it's, it says something to the effect of, hey Shinji, this is I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. it's like, hey Shinji, this is what I look like. Yeah. I'll come to pick you up. Oh, by the way, okay. circles her boobs, a little arrow saying, check out these. Yeah. <laughs> You and know, she did this. You know he's 14. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, I'm sure he'd appreciate it, but like, yeah, a bit inappropriate. Yeah. Particularly because the, the, the second before we've seen that is this, this huge giant monster yeah. being like attacked by helicopters. And so, suddenly we cut to this photo. It's just, yeah. It's so odd. So anyway, uh, so yeah, so weirdly, weirdly, weirdly sexual Polaroids aside, uh, angel attacks, boom, 
And like a helicopter is knocked out the sky yeah. by this angel because it, it kind of does a weird leap into the sky. Yeah, it sort of hovers like... And like this and light floats. emanates from under it. Yeah. And like this helicopter is knocked from the sky and it crashes near Shinji. Yeah, he's like... Whoa! And you see this explosion You think, and he's like... Ah! And he's, he's screaming. And then uh, you hear this car screeching up and Masato turns and up, here. does a screech, kicks open the door and he's like, hey, sorry I'm late. Yeah. Get in, and she's really happy, like yeah. cheerful. She doesn't she seems seem to be really upbeat. Doesn't seem weirded out by by any of this. No, um, which is we'll maybe talk about how it's made, you know some of the weird things that work and things that don't work. But they speed off in the car. Mm. So around this time, we cut to a control room. Yes, again, don't know where we are. No, no idea. Just here's another. Lots image. of military men. Very futuristic. Yeah, very futuristic. Holographic yeah. screen displays, all sorts of stuff. Technicians at computers yeah. entering data, and a big. Like a graphical map of like Tokyo, yeah, and uh, we see military people who are kind of like, uh, oh, look at this horrible monster! Like, what are we going to do? Uh, Fire everything we've got! Yeah, slamming like, fists on tables, and there's loads of ashtrays filled with cigarettes. They've been here for some yeah. reason for ages and ages. And, and they're like, you know, uh, what, what should we do? Uh, keep firing! Keep firing! You know, yeah. but best strategy. Um, and so they're like, uh, launch. Um, an N2 mine. An, an N2 mine. Yeah. So you kind of have like the military people who are going like, row, 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 shouting, 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 let's, right, right, right. let's blow this thing up. At the same time, watching all this, you have these two uh, these two other figures yes. who are kind of watching... They're in the control room, but they seem to be on a sort of higher tier looking down on the yes. sort of events. And they're kind of like uh, watching the military people do their thing. But they're not in military dress. No. They're in sort of their own kind of style of suits. Yeah, so we are introduced to uh, Gendo. Gendo, yes. Uh, but we don't know his name or surname yet. And his uh, kind of second-in-command... Fiyutsuki. Fiyutsuki, yeah. yeah. Again, names, I do find this a bit hard to... <laughs> I've watched his show for years. Um, and they are kind of sceptical of the military's approach. Yeah. It's almost like... It's almost like they, they've got like a knowing, sly smile on their faces, haven't they? It's like, yeah. it's going to work. And like... Uh, and and uh, second-in-command guy, Fiyutsuki, mm. goes... 15 years. He says something like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been 15 years. And then the other figure, uh, Gendo. With his glasses on. Yeah, who has, uh, I mean, if you're familiar with the, an- <laughs> I'm not sure if he invented it, but like as the anime trope of <laughs> one character adjusting their glasses on, on their, on the bridge of their nose. And you get like this little kind of swing. Yeah. Like, uh, the, 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 the reflection of the light. The light catches. Yeah. So. Eyes out for a second. Gendo has a kind of epic, uh, chin beard and, uh, white gloves. A uh, very stern figure, always kind of like like a, a Machiavellian kind of schemer. Like you always see him like sitting yeah, at a his, desk, his hands entwined, kind of. And he just goes like, and they go like, oh, fifteen years. And he goes, yes. There, he says something like, uh, yes, there can be no doubt. The angels have returned. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, and like uh, ad break or something. Yeah, like, like, oh, ad break. Oh, okay. Here we go. Right, we're in. Uh, and yeah, and then um, the military are like, launch an N two mine. And like, that sounds bad. It's a bit like a nuke, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think, if anything, the fact that they're not using the word nuke suggests to me that it's more powerful than a nuke. Yeah. Like, otherwise you'd just say nuke, wouldn't you? Or you'd say missile. Yeah. But, like, this is... They introduce a new term. So this is big. The N2 mine. Yeah. Uh, so and then we cut back to Misato and Shinji in the sports car. And they've driven to, like, a safe distance. Yeah, they're quite far away now. Yeah. But Misato seems to be looking out the window with some binoculars. Yeah. And suddenly she goes, Oh! They're going to use an N2 mine! 
Um, so she knows what that is. And they're a good way away. They are a good way like away. Like several miles away, watching uh, us from yeah, afar. Yeah, she's obviously using binoculars, so it's very futuristic binoculars. Um, and so we're like, oh, she knows what that is. Oh, yeah. Interesting. But she panics. But she panics, and they take cover in the car, sort of just dive on top of each other. Well, she dives on top of Shinji, which is probably the only good thing that maybe happens to him. In this <laughs> um, so that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, and then an epic explosion goes off. And we cut back to the control room. Oh, and the car, you see the car go. Oh, the car flips. The car is right, like from the shock flying, wave. yeah, and it's miles away. But there's yeah. a great moment in the, in the, um, in the control room where obviously there's just this huge column of light where, where the bomb's gone off, which is at the feet, it would seem, of the angel. Yeah. Um, so it's completely engulfed in light. You can't see the angel at all anymore. And the UN men all stand up and cheer. Hey, lads, we've done it. <laughs> They're very triumphant. Yeah, very. Yeah. Maybe too triumphant because, you know, until you see uh, the body, guys. A little bit cocky. Yeah. Um, and then there's a little voice just goes, shockwave incoming. And then their vision The camera kind of cuts out. Yeah, yeah, which I really like. So uh, they've basically nuked. For all intents and purposes, they've dropped a nuke on this creature. And just, just so for people who don't know, uh, it wasn't actually in the city at that point. It seemed to be in the mountains. It wasn't. Yeah, I don't it was think nearby. they wiped the city out. Like not actually, literally. They probably irradiated. Because as you were saying it, because again, you ne- it's a big city, mm. uh, and I guess, but you never quite get a sense of how big. Oh, and also an important thing we should mention is that in the control room, they they said the angel is coming to us. It's coming to them. Yeah. So the angel has. We don't know where it's come from. No, but we know it's heading for whatever they are, wherever they are. It's yeah. For them. And also, like, is it? It as you say, was it on the edge of the city? Was it in the mountains? Was it? Maybe in like an abandoned bit of a city. Yeah. But it's like the sun is shining. It's still it's like... Day. Yeah, it's a lovely day. Really lovely day to bomb a load of angels. So they, they nuke the angel. We see uh, Misato and Shinji... Tumble around in a car. Yeah, they're by... And then like, you know, in the aftermath, they're by the flipped yeah. car. And the two of them put their back into it and they flip right the car it. back over. Uh, but they seem quite cheerful. Misato certainly is. I mean, she's a bit gutted about the damage to her car, and she's somehow managed to tape it all back together again. They're yeah, because then, then we. Uh, but of course, we see, you know, you see them right the car, the drive off, and very kind of like nonchalant about the whole thing. Yeah, like we just got nuked. Misato's complaining about her dress in an internal monologue about but, how it's got damaged. And- but we don't. We don't. We have no. I mean, and this is maybe like a slight criticism of of, of the episode, but like we, we as viewers are like they're so kind of okay with this. It must be every day. Yeah, it's just like an everyday occurrence. But then, as we've just heard from Fiyutsuki, like, this hasn't happened for 15 years. Yeah. Regardless so- of how the first angel attacks may have gone down 15 years ago, there hasn't been one for all this time. Like, yeah. Misato, if she's, like, 20, 23, however old she's meant to be, 15 years ago, she was a child. So she has no, like, yeah. absolutely no experience of dealing with angels at all. Like, certainly not one-to-one. Yeah. And we don't know, like... And we don't know a lot at all. We don't know why she's here, what's going on, like, who is she, what's her kind of Mm. connection to all this. But one thing we do know is the angel isn't dead. No. But it's been hurt. Yes, because now, 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 obviously, we get the moment where the UN are like, oh, cameras come back up, the angel's still alive. They're like, oh... Pride came before a fall. It did, John. The angel is not dead. But we see the angel close up then, and it is damaged. It's got these big gills, and it's like, it's obviously trying to get rid of excess heat and heal itself. Yeah, because it, <gasps> it's standing in, well, essentially... Crater. Yeah, it was like the epicentre of a nuke, yeah. for all intents and purposes, and the air is like aflame with yeah. heat. Uh, the ground is like molten. And But it's just stood there, just sort of fanning itself with its weird yeah, you've got these gill, gill flaps. It's like kind of... And also, it's... Um, it's mask face. Its face has been kind of like ripped. Dislodged. So if you can imagine, like, its face is like, yeah, kind of poking to the side. And there's a second face 
in the it, wound below it. Yeah, because it doesn't have it doesn't have a, a head as such. Its no. face is kind of like Set in the middle of its, its chest. Torso. Yeah, exactly. But then like its head, the mask has been kind of blasted to the side, and this second head is poking out. Now I don't know about you, but I always read that. And, and again, this is never explained. Yeah, it's open to um, interpretation. Because, and I think it's it's deliberately not explained. So it's like, these creatures are alien. We don't know anything about them. If we could stop and study one, then great. But they're coming to kill us. So we don't have time to do any of that. So we've yeah. just got to riff it. Um, and I always read that moment as it's healing. So in the same way that, you know, we would grow a new thumbnail if one got ripped off. Oh, do you reckon it's... I think that face is now dead. The front face is dead. And it's oh, very quickly yeah. growing a new face from below. You see, I'd always... Uh, and. I don't think there's any right answer, but no. I'd always, and I'd never really thought about it, but if I had, I kind of assumed there was always like a second head underneath. See, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, like, <laughs> and the fact is anything. Why does it have a spare face? Either I could, don't have a spare either face, Either could be correct, yeah. <laughs> and like, isn't there, hasn't there been a bit of damage to its Yeah, chest? it's got a few like, gashes all over it, actually. Yeah, like, it's, it's that weird. Its ribs are kind of all disaligned now. Yeah, like. Kind of all out of shape. Which kind of, and then we see um, the military people are conceding defeat. Yes. So and, it, and yeah, and transferring control. So like the N2 mine, the nuke work. or whatever, is is like the peak of military weaponry. Mm. And it and it has wounded this thing. But, but they don't even they don't even seem aware of the wounds. They're just like, it failed, it didn't work, yeah, we're, like, we're useless. Yeah, we clearly can't take it down. Yeah. Although it's interesting to wonder if they'd hit it again or if they'd hit it like a third time, yeah, would they have finished it off? Maybe they don't have any more, don't know. But they seem to have, they seem to, this seems to have proved to them that conventional weaponry Has no can't take down an, an angel. Yeah. So, they defer to our two smug looking friends in the corner. Gendo and Fiyutsuki. And they go, well... It's time for nerve to show its metal kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and they mention nerve and they say, it's time for you to show us what you've been working on. And, you know, because... Uh, it's, it, yeah, we should have mentioned that when the N2 miners first deployed, they turn and scoff at Gendo and Fiyotsuki yeah. and say, ha, looks like we're not going to need you, boys. And it's like, oh, so they have something else. And so now, of course, the N2 miners failed and they turn to them and go, you know, sort of cap in hand, oh, we're going to need you. And they're like, okay, well, fine, you get your moment. Yeah. Don't let us down. Yeah, and, and, and it's very much a sort of like, well, you better not screw this up. It's like, well, you kind of already did, guys. But then also, like, they, and then like talk about like exit stage left, and then yeah. the three of them are sitting behind this desk, and the entire desk, the whole desk just descends into yeah. the ground. Where, where did they go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where do any of these things go? There's there's a lot of moments which is was also very symptomatic of early sort of 90s anime where in order to save having to animate say a character after walking walking down a corridor and have to deal with perspective and multi-frames why not just have him slide away yeah. behind something and also like so there's know, elevators everywhere and Gendo is forever talking from behind his hands yeah so you never have to animate you never see his mouth like yeah. it's just like a still image basically <laughs> okay so uh, military has failed yeah Shinji and Misato are alive and in a in a car, yeah, um, en route to somewhere that Masato knows, and it's time for Nerve to step up. Yeah, what the hell's going on? Exactly. Like, I, I, but luckily, then the show cuts neatly to Masato on the phone in the car, yes. asking for a car train to be deployed. Um, she turn drives into a very sort of military esque big big door bunker. Sort yeah, of. like massive uh, futuristic blast, very doors. futuristic blast door. Yeah, which yeah. There, it, it seems to suggest there's loads of these all over the city. Yeah, um, and she the car sort of parks in what can only be described as a train with multiple carriages, but they're, they're all empty except for hers, which has a car in. Yeah, um, and it's going down at an angle underground. Yeah, because we really can't stress like we have no. This is there is a hard cut between these scenes. Yeah, 
And yeah, an angel was attacking, but it was in a very realistic looking city. Mm. And then suddenly we're just in this incredibly futuristic facility and we yeah. have no idea. But they're descending. They are descending. And a long gives, way. Masato gives Shinji a file to read about Nerve. It's which, called like Welcome to Nerve or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which looks just like a brochure kind of, hey, welcome to Nerve. But Nerve is spelled N-E-R-V. Yeah. All capitals, no full stops between them. Yeah. So you're thinking like, is it an acronym? Yeah. But, you assume it is, but yeah. yeah, but it doesn't. It's not made clear at all. And you see the symbol on a door, yeah. and it's like half a leaf, like a maple leaf, like a maple leaf. Yeah, and then just N E R V beneath. And then it. there's the weird subtitle: "God's in His Heaven, All's Right with the World." Yes, which is in English. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Very uh, weird. So, but they're just going down and down and down. It's like they're descending into hell. Yeah, it's it's, it's gigantic. Like we're talking a structure clearly built by humans, Definitely. but built. On such a scale. Yeah. I mean, it's the size of an entire city underground. Yeah. And, and like, but they're, they're descending down this uh, incredibly steep... Uh, Train track. Yeah. Like, it's like an escalator, but for cars. Yeah. Like, they're, uh, they're taking all these... They're the only ones there. Yeah. Again, a massive sense of isolation. You don't see any humanity. No. And, and vast structures. Yeah. You feel like a tiny part of this. But they're descending and descending and descending. And uh, also, like, weirdly... Miss Sato doesn't seem to know her way around. Well, yeah. So, so obviously the geofront is then revealed. Oh, of course, very yeah. important. Yeah. So, so, so they, they, the carriage they're in that the car is in seems to have glass walls. Suddenly, light pours into the carriage, and what was a closed tunnel now has a view out to what the, this cavern that they're descending into. Yeah. Can you even? This is really. Can you? Can you describe? The geofront, because it's so the way, kind of... It's certainly in how it's it's revealed in this, because it looks different in multiple times, different times in the, sh- in the show. Yeah. When it's revealed here, it looks like they are above ground again. So it looks yeah. like they are looking out over a contained, like, luscious green landscape dotted yeah. with lakes yeah. at sunset. So everything is cast in orange. The water is reflecting gl- glittering white light. Yeah. But there's no sun to be seen anywhere. And you realise that the longer you look at that shot, it's actually a cave... And there's a ceiling. Yeah. But I can't tell you where the light's coming Because this is the weird thing, though, isn't it? Because you are... Dis- they they enter this tunnel, and they descend. Yeah. And they descend for a good for a way. While. But then it's like you've, you've gone through the looking glass, because suddenly you emerge. Yeah. And it's like you're above ground again. It's like when you're on an underground train, and suddenly it comes above ground. And yeah. the light comes in, and you're a bit dazzled. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, I haven't just been going deeper and deeper under yeah. London. I've actually popped back out in, you know, like DLR or but something. But we must be miles and miles and miles <laughs> below the surface. Yeah, obviously, definitely. The speed that the train's going at and everything yeah. is so, so, so deep. And, and, but it's like, to call it a cavern... You can't imagine how big this is to the point where, as you said, it's such a big underground space. You think you're above ground. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 in terms of like the light and the scenery and the grass and everything and the trees that we're seeing, um, yeah, we we must be above ground, surely. But no, we're not because this is introduced by Masato as the geofront, um, and Shinji also seems to kind of know about it. Wow, the geofront, because of course. Yeah, yeah. He, he starts to allude to the fact that he's been called here and he knows someone yeah. here. So again, um, he's kind of taking... Whoa, off. this is the geofront kind of thing. But interestingly, we should point out that above... At the, if this cavern yes, has a ceiling, has a ceiling yeah, there right. are... This is kind of interesting. There are buildings descending from the roof of the cavern. Mm. Like an inverted city. Like if you turn a city upside down, so there are buildings coming down. Yeah. So it's not really... Yeah, it looks like a city on the roof. Yeah, so it's certainly not... In, it's not, not explained at this point. No. But it, we we know, and, and it's later revealed, that this is directly under 
the city yeah, we were seeing before. Yeah. So there's this idea that like the sit, you know, the sit, the buildings can retract. Very Thunderbirds, very Marineville actually, very like yeah. Stingray. Yeah. So like a uh, danger, the, the entire city, <clears throat> and we'll touch on this in a second, is equipped like a battlefield. Yeah. And uh, sent to keep people out of yeah. and, and buildings out of damage and. And safety. But into this, like, so, but I don't know what would terrify me more. Like, you know, <laughs> the angel or suddenly being in a building which is hanging yeah. from the roof of this vast underground cavern. Which is is arguably probably a mile high. So yeah. if the building fell, it would fall and kill it. Yeah. Well, everyone below and inside. Yeah, it'd be, no, it would no just doubt. be horrific. Yeah. But a key thing about the geofront is right in the middle of it seems to be a pyramid. On the, on the bottom of it. On the, yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 on the ground. Um, and we very quickly connect, I feel anyway, that that's where the control room is. Yeah, because it's like you have a black pyramid yeah. pointing upwards. Glossy black. And next to it, an inverted white pyramid. Much larger, sort of like a like a pyramid-shaped pit into the ground. Yeah, yeah. which is... Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I read Da Vinci Code when I was younger. Like, it's very... This, this the whole thing is littered symbolism. with symbolism, but yeah. it's like the upright triangle, the bottom triangle, you're thinking yeah. that's got to be some kind of, like, uh, symbolism thing. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And then, yes, as you say, um, they eventually sort of... It then cuts again. So we've seen the geofront now. They seem to not be in the car, not be in the train. They're navigating passages and tunnels and conveyor belts. Yeah, like uh, travelators. Uh, deep within this, again, like Star Wars-style vast structure. You know yeah. how in Star Wars there's those impossible pits that just yeah. go on forever and like all these corridors. And who built this? And who had the time to build this? This is what it's like. Yeah, and of course we've never seen... And we still haven't seen No anyone. railings. No, people, no people railings. People fall off. They'd be dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Health and safety nightmare. It's like, yeah, we can we can make twenty thousand escalators. Yeah, can, can you could you throw in a railing? Do you to, know how much that would cost? You, who's in charge of escalators? Yeah, we Is need it you, John. We need the escalators. <laughs> we do not need to spend countless millions Look, on railings. If I want to complain, I'll come to you because you're clearly the expert of complaining. <laughs> but I'm the expert when it comes to I'm the master of escalators. But I'm telling you, we can't afford railings. Well, it's impossible. This is this is an outrage. If I didn't desperately need this job in this post-impact apocalyptic world, I'd be out of here. To be honest, we didn't see anyone working anywhere. No, can't see a soul. Like, no, and then so Misato is lost. Yeah, even though she seems to work here and, yeah. and headed here deliberately to uh, to take Shinji. It seems she's taking Shinji because he said he know he's meeting someone. Yeah. he's meeting her for, firstly, but now we know he seems to be meeting someone so else. Clearly, there's a reason for everyone to be here. Yeah. We don't know what's we no, don't know the reason. We still don't really know the connection between this place and what the heck is going on upstairs. Yeah. So um Sato calls her friend, Ritsuko. Smashka. Yeah. And Ritsuko seems to be swimming. Yeah, so it was, uh, so we see a lady <laughs> wearing uh, a scuba kit. Yes. Uh she's not wearing a wetsuit, she's wearing a swimsuit. Yeah, with scuba gear. Uh and she pops out of a tank and takes off her mask and And she's a blonde blonde woman. She looks older than um Yeah, Sato. maybe in like her thirties or something like that. Yeah. And uh, she's like, she's got a report. Like, you know, she hears like a report. It's like, well, you get the impression that whatever she was doing in that tank was maybe kind of science related. Like, yeah. She yeah. was studying something. Because she immediately puts on a lab coat, doesn't she? Yes. So then Shinji and Misato in an elevator. Yep. And we'll see a lot of this elevator, actually. We do, actually. Over yeah, the course of the entire the series. Uh, the door opens and in walks... Uh, striking blonde scientist lady wearing a swimsuit and a one piece swimsuit a very high cut swimsuit yeah, we should a very, say a very 90s swimsuit so again just to talk about the, what we'll touch upon the weirdly inappropriate <laughs> sexuality going on here because it's like two uh, two older women yeah. around a 14 year old boy and it's like the direction 
of the anime. They both sort of the way they the way they look at him, the way they talk to him is very much in a sort of. Well, aren't you a lucky boy to be around us? Kind yeah, of thing, isn't it's it? kind of like, like in it, your face. It's yeah. a little bit inappropriate. It's like, look how like, sexy we are, and look how you get to hang out with us. It's like, what? Yeah. Why? Like, do you know how old he is? Like, <laughs> can't you tell? We can tell. It's like, you're a scientist. Like, yeah. you, you must know how this works. Like, <laughs> to be fair to the show, although she's in a swimsuit and wearing a lab coat over the swimsuit, that, that scene isn't overly sexualized on her. Well, this is perhaps a weird thing. It's not. But sexy is, for the viewer no but it is again an inappropriate moment for the story and for Shinji well this is maybe like this is maybe like an interesting thing about the series because while in this instance these two like it, it, it's presenting exec, like it's presenting a form of sexiness which is actually a little bit uncomfortable yeah which is maybe something about the series where it's not titillating no. in any way. No. Actually... So, so what purpose is it serving? And in fact, you know, if we if we if we go on to talk about other anime yeah. um, with this with this series, um, I, well, this will be a recurring topic because anime loves this. Yeah, for some reason. And, and again, it goes back to like having everything yeah. in your show. It's like, well, we, we gotta get we gotta get some sexy ladies in there. Yeah, why? Well, we got we got it because we're making anime. But it's like this isn't. Is is isn't like it's not funny. It's not titillating. It's not kind of like saucy post postcard. It's actually you actually just feel yeah. probably what it's intended to be, which is like well, maybe that is intended. These women are like you just think like eh, this, you know, this like, this young boy is kind of like he's in a weird situation. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the idea. Like we have been saying, how we feel like the entire thrust of the show is to keep you on like keep you on your back foot so you yeah. don't know what's going on and, and even when even when the bits that you'd hope you would understand like just a human talking to another human you'd hope would be the oasis mm-hmm. a pool of calm in this otherwise chaotic universe of of apocalypse that still isn't Shinji is still never safe he's never at home he's never understanding what's going on even with the people around him who mm. are other human beings he doesn't understand and that's partly because he's as we'll come to learn not 100% adept at dealing with certain no. situations but, but, but he also needs to put us in that position as well and so to do that I think they confuse yeah. us but like with the aid of uh, what's her name again? Ritsuko Akagi Ritsuko yeah so with the aid of Ritsuko they get on a different escalator and <laughs> yes. so you see this uh, this kind of really weird shot where they are descending in profile yes uh, across the screen in the foreground yeah and they're chatting and the two adults say something like, oh, well, I've made a note. Shinji, according to the Marduk report, Marduk report, is apparently the third child. Yes. We don't know what this means. Nope. But this is apparently very important. Very important. And Shinji is reading this little guidebook the to nerve, nerve pamphlet. Yeah. So he fails to notice, as they are descending... <laughs> In the background. ...that apparently the entire background is like a a tank like an aquarium an impossibly vast tank. and you see just this hand this, this hand that's the size of a four story house yeah just what? almost frozen in a clawing like act yeah like ex- yeah towards the glass of the tank but he doesn't notice he doesn't notice and he's the two delightfully ad- oblivious and the two adults going back oh, I'm guessing that's their way to work every morning but this is the thing though isn't it it's like <laughs> once again you're getting the very weird just turn left and, uh, past the giant hand oh yeah you know like <laughs> He's in the hand district. You want to turn left? Oh, I work in the foot district. Um, Check your privilege, yeah? (laughs) But like, yeah, so so it's like, oh, there's a giant hand. Don't know what's going on. No way. Change of scene. Door opens. And we are in a, let's call it a hangar. Yeah. For lack of a better word. It feels like a hangar. And there is a kind of gangway. No railings. No railings. (laughs) 
that uh, so how do you describe it? There's like a plank, like a, a walkway going across a, a massive pool a pink of li- pink liquid. Mm. So you get the impression it's very deep, and there is just this walkway at kind of sea level, yeah, going it's, across it's, the middle. It's of almost it. as though it's floating on the water. Yeah, and in this fluid is submerged up to the neck a giant. Well, we see a head. We just see a head. We just see a head, which is at the level of the gangway. So we have this purple armoured face <laughs> the size of a house if not bigger probably bigger yeah and we're just uh, walking on this little gangway next to it and Shinji's like whoa <laughs> yeah Shinji just freaks the hell out like yeah, what like, the hell what the hell face. is this yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's a face like because of course like like a knight yeah yes like yeah. a knight in armour it's, it's like an armoured knight face because this isn't like I mean this certainly was not the first mecha anime in the world certainly not so going into this you have a few kind of like yeah. most people will have seen a giant robot in some form oh, yeah. or another. Like uh, they've probably seen a Gundam. I see, yeah, Gundam. Mm. Uh, you know, I think as a kid, Power Rangers. Yeah, uh, the old sword. Megazord. Yeah, might have seen Voltron. So we clearly know this is a giant robot, but it looks very different to robots we might be familiar with as kind of viewers. definitely because at the moment we're only seeing a head. It's also very brightly coloured, whereas classic robots have always been white with accents of colour. It's bright. Purple. Bright purple with green accents. And it's got a big horn coming out of its its forehead. And it doesn't have a mouth, but seemingly at all, at this point. Yeah, it's got like, like... Because I think it's up to its sort of nose, if it had a nose, the water is. I thought you could see it's kind of... Cause can it's, you see like maybe the corners of its mouth but, at this point? Because it's got like this, almost like a... I thought you could see it, like a skull-like it's, kind it's, of... Yeah, I suppose it has kind of got a mouth, because it's got the beard, like the Tutankhamun beard. Yeah, it's got yeah, a little pointy chin. And then it has, I, could, I suppose, yeah, you can see a mouth there, but you don't really know there's a mouth there. It's not until open or anything like that, yeah. But because, of course, we're used to, I mean, a lot of Japanese mechs are kind of inspired by uh, samurai armour. Yeah. So we're used to it being more like a mask but rather than a... this is, again, quite samurai armour-esque. Yeah. In terms of the domed helmet and the sort of spike coming out the front of the forehead and things like that. But it's not... But it doesn't look anything like what we've what we're used to seeing. It's not a very glad like it, it. It looks incredible. Yeah. Like it's a really striking design, but it doesn't look massively welcoming. Like it. it no. It's not like it doesn't oh, look heroic either. Yes, that's the thing. It yeah. looks kind of scary. Yeah, it looks like a monster. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks like a monster. It looks like a basically. giant metal monster. It's got a purple and green monstrosity. And when you can see its mouth, it's a it's a grin. It's like this... Like a skull-like kind yeah, of... Yeah, right up, really high, deep, deep yeah. jaw, kind of. And also, of course, it's got these... Because incre- all you can see is its head and shoulders. Yeah. And it has these massive... How do you describe them coming out of its shoulders? Like I don't know. They're, they're, they're at the joint where, you know, so, so you've got your neck and then you've got the flat bit that runs across the top of your shoulders. And then where your shoulder then meets your arm, you've then got these huge, yeah, thin-type structures. Yeah, just like sails. go up just higher than the head. Yeah. But they're quite thin. They're almost like wings, but verti- vertically yeah. set. Like, and then what? the arm continues on past them. Yeah, does it serve a purpose? <clears throat> Find out later that it kind of does, but not massively. <laughs> but then, like, yes. Yeah, so well, no, we do hear actually. Not to jump ahead, but I yeah, think batteries. Are they batteries? Because they they disconnect them later on. We'll come to that later. Yeah, on. I'm sure. There's an episode where they're crawling through a small space and they have to disconnect those things off their shoulders, and they they have even less time then on their oh, time right, okay. to do it. But we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll have to we'll, we'll 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 touch on that. Yeah, episode. but like. Um, uh, Again, again, like I know we we may have missed a couple of things here and there, like in the plot, but matter, like yeah. Uh, yeah, they they walk out into this gangway, 
and Shinji's freaking out because he's like a, an ant compared to this giant thing. Yeah. He's like, what the hell is that? But then he also goes like, oh, it's a giant robot. Yeah, he immediately connects that it's a giant robot. And um, and so, yeah, so now he is stood there on a gangway with Misato and Ritsuko. Yes. And, uh, and then suddenly... And then from a window up above... Yeah, high above the robot's head, looking down on everyone... Is uh, Gendo. The man we saw with the glasses. Yeah, uh, white gloves, uh, amazing chin beard... Uh, jacket you know, looking jacket. looking cool and imposing and Shinji says like father <gasps> and we're like what so kind of. <laughs> not massive you kind of you kind of expected to read between the lines on a lot of things but like um, yeah like he's been summoned here yeah by his dad yeah and we're like ah oh, that's who he's come to meet brilliant family reunion this is going to be awesome it's not exactly a happy reunion not at all uh, very it's cold really cold He he doesn't seem to have any what we call emotions on a yeah. real level at all. Uh, and he... And we can gather that Shinji hasn't seen his dad for years. Well, Shinji says something like, you didn't want me. Yeah. You sent me away. You like, sent me away. You didn't want me. And now you've called me back. And and there's it's inferred in the conversation, at the very beginning of the conversation, that Shinji was kind of glad that his father had called him back. Yeah, he's like, oh, maybe dad wants me again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he's just a 14-year-old boy. He just wants kind of like the approval and love of his dad. Yeah. No mention of his mom. No, no mention of his mom. No mention of mom at all. But then his dad is all kind of business. And he's like, bye bye bye. We need to activate unit, unit one. one. Yeah. As they refer to it. And then Misato's like, no, 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 he doesn't quite say that, does he? Because he's like, we're going to need to activate to fight the angel. Yes. And Misato says, we can't because unit zero is damaged. Yes, yeah, so we don't know what's going on, but no, like... exactly. I- and then Misato sort of, without Gendo saying anything else, starts to piece it together in her head. Wait, you want to activate unit one? As yes. if this is a really big deal. And so unit one being the big purple thing... We realise then. Yeah, but like in a nutshell, uh, Gendo's like, big angels attacking... Shinji, you're going to pilot. You're going to pilot that. <laughs> and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> you know, what? what's going on? That's a pretty big deal for Shinji. And like, um, at the same time as this conversation is going on, so at this point, we're kind of jumping back and forth now. And so you've got the reunion of Shinji and his dad. Mm. But then out in the city, it's now nighttime. Yeah. So clearly some time has passed. The angel is advancing and advancing. Yeah, so this angel is, is stomping through what looks like major inhabited city yeah. now like modern metropolis and unleashing blasts from its chest, chest orb yeah and yeah. and you and this becomes a, a very uh uh what's the word if uh it's a it's a defining feature of the series yeah character like a, yeah. yeah defining characteristic kind of where you have like uh an explosion so this blast it, it, it's shooting the ground, really. Yeah, impacts the ground. Get this big nuke-like explosion, and then a beam of light shoots up into the sky. And where, when it's in the sky, it splits horizontally, forming essentially a massive crucifix. A Christian cross. Yeah, Christian cross in the sky. Yeah, colossal in size, like taller than the, the angels and the, the avers. And it's striking. Yeah. Uh, it's a really weird explosion. But it seems to be made of explosion. And yeah. It hangs for a second with this sort of... Yeah. Sort of sound, and then it sort of dissipates. And like, again... We should really praise like the sound design because you, yeah. like, you get this rumble. You have a sense of power inferred yeah. by, and it's like whatever this angel is, it's tapping into some kind of like primal force. Yeah, to, unstoppable. To, yeah, and so then we 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 smash back to like, the the, and I think you even hear like a distant rumble. Like, yeah, I think the room shakes and the yeah. lights swing above, and that's a very important point actually because ah. some of the roof starts to fall away in the hangar. Yeah, because Shinji's like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, he's like, uh, I can't believe it, Dad. 
Yeah. yeah, I thought you wanted. You called me back because you wanted to see me again. I thought you, just you wanna, loved me. You just want to. And, and why did you call me back? And his dad says something like, "Because I had a use yeah. for you. Because you were finally useful." Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it's like, oh, I see. This guy's an asshole. Yeah. I understand now. And Shinji's like, and he's like, "Well, you want me to pilot this? He's I like, don't know anything about this." He's like, like I, "No, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this." And it's again, like, remarkably, like strong. Yeah, like, like he's, he's actually like, like, standing up to his dad who he hasn't seen in ages because his dad's telling him to do a ridiculous thing and put him in the line of danger. But also, like, he's a 14 year old boy; he has no training. Yeah, and he knows that, but his yeah. dad doesn't seem to care about that. And his guy's like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give you instructions." But basically, the result is no. I'm not going to do it. Kind of. <laughs> and his guy's like, "Well, do it or don't. If you're not going to do it." Screw you. Yeah. And he's like, uh, and, and he gives a little note to the side. And Shinji's like, had his little tantrum. And he goes, I'm not going to do it. And Gendo's like, very well. And he gives like a radio call or something. He goes like, ready, unit. Ray. Bring Ray oh, that's in. Right. Yeah, ready re- unit one for Ray. Yeah, reconfigure unit one. Yeah. And uh, and then they wheel. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, and then uh, there's an explosion above from the angel. Yeah. I'm trying to get the order right in my head because they, cause they wheel. They have to wheel her into the room because she's there when, like, the explosion hits. That's right, yeah. She comes in first. So these she? doctors wheeling a stretcher. Yeah. She's on, like, a hospital bed. She's let, she's tied up to a, a drip. And we realise that the girl in that bed is the girl we saw for a split second in the road right at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Short, very light blue hair and a bob around her head. Very pale skin. Very pale skin. Now, she's lying on a hospital bed. She's in what looks like some sort of suit. Yeah. Like... A suit for piloting. Yeah, before we saw her in like a school uniform. Yeah, and now she's in some sort of utilitarian technological outfit. Yeah, like uh, it's uh, skin tight Mm. uh, with like lots of like uh, like yeah like chunky bits kind of stuck on the Mm. outside, and she's covered in bandages. Yeah, and she's got even an eye patch, I believe. Yeah, like one eye is patched up. She's got a bandage around her head. Mm. One of her arms is like in a sling or something, isn't it? Yeah, she is in a bad way. She's being wheeled in by like some nurses. She passes by Shinji and he sees her and realises that this is the person that his dad is saying is now going to pipe. Yeah, because essentially it's the most horrifically manipulative guilt trip in the world because you can see what Gendo's doing. It's like, well, Shinji, if you're not going to do it, we're going to put put this half-dead girl into it. And she's trying to pick herself up and she's just like, she's in agony. She can barely stand. But she's utterly obedient. Oh yeah, like, it doesn't question it at all. I will yeah. do it. No, no problem. And she's coughing, she's in pain. She's making like noises that she's in pain. And you can see the look all over Shinji's face. He's like, oh, nuts. <laughs> Cut to boom. Explosion. Alien, uh, the angel blasts, causing a rumble and a big lighting fixture falls from, from the, the ceiling. the roof of the hangar, yeah. And it's going to crush Shinji. Yeah, he's directly below it. And it almost falls in slow motion. And you're like, oh, heck, <clears throat> Shinji's about to die. Yeah. And then suddenly, the Eva, or uh, Unit 1, this big purple hand rips out of all the fluid that it's embedded in and and, and holds its hand above Shinji. Yeah, and protects him. And all of the... the- garbage from the roof bounces around off the hand and doesn't kill him. Yeah, so like, uh, but like uh, Ray's knocked off her stretcher. All sorts of chaos around. Misato and Ritsuko are kind of like knocked over. And everyone's like, what the hell just happened? And And Ritsuko says, that's not possible. He wasn't, there was no entry plug installed and he wasn't synced with the unit. So we we, we get the impression that she is like an expert. She would know these things. And she's like, uh... That no one's God. piloting it. It doesn't even have a, an entry plug in it, whatever that means. It cannot move without command. Yeah. And also, there's a voiceover that goes, it ripped out of the right arm restraints yeah. as like, well. Like, this thing was bolted down. Yeah. And suddenly... <laughs> Depowered. The, the mere presence of Shinji near it, this thing comes alive. Yeah. And protects him. And then it does nothing again. It's just frozen it's like just a frozen, statue. Yeah. And there's no, there's no sort of, yeah, suggestion that it will do anything else. Yeah. Now. But Amisato, like... 
everyone's kind of like amazed. And Misato had tried to like convince Shinji to do this. She was kind of like, yeah, don't run away. Stand up to your dad. Do what he wants. <laughs> That's a really good way of <laughs> yeah. standing up to your dad. But then like Shinji picks Ray up and, you know, she's, and he gets blood on his hand. Yeah. Like clearly she's bleeding. Mm. And he's like, fine. Yeah. Oh, and he's like, don't run away. Don't run away. Don't run away. Yeah, he goes, monologue, yeah. he goes, I'll do it. I'll do it. He's not happy about it, but I will pilot this thing. Yeah. And Gendo just smiles. Smirks to himself, knowing that his guilt trip, little guilt trip plan worked. Gendo always gets what he wants. He definitely does. Gendo that's, that's always... the theme of Evangelion. Yeah, Gendo is uh, king of uh, the swines. He is a... <laughs> but also, like, everyone is kind of horrible. Oh, yeah. Everyone is guilt tripping. Because Misato him. and Ritsuko are both saying, you have to do it, you got to pilot the robot. Yeah, but like, like, be a man, Shinji. But it's like, what? 14. I'm 14 and I've just arrived. Didn't, like, know, didn't know why I'm here. I haven't even read the manual. Yeah, like, no <laughs> idea why I'm here. My dad clearly doesn't love me and you want me to climb into this horrific monstrosity and I've seen what it'll do to another pilot because she's right here and she's basically dead and you want me to just wander straight in because I've got to be a man have yeah. I? yeah it's, 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 uh, it's blackmail it's emotional it's horrendous. blackmail it's horrendous but he does it and he says I, he I, will, I will do it and uh, <laughs> we see him in the cockpit so yeah so then uh, battle stations stuff yes. starts happening and we see the Eva Eva 1 from the back and it's it kind of like its head tilts forward. Yeah, it sort of head slides forward, so it's kind of like almost in front of its own chest. Yeah. And then there's this exposed top of its spine. It's got like these ridges on its yeah. spine. And then those sort of move aside, and we can kind of see its internal structure. Which looks looks metal, doesn't it? it yeah, looks yeah, yeah. It all looks yeah. like metal. And then there's a hole, and this sort of long, what looks like a cigarette, but a long tube is sort of spiralled and screwed and inserted into this Yeah, hole. so this thing goes deep right into the chest mm. of this thing through its neck hole. Yeah. And then the head and sort the neck locks back into lock place. Back. So, and then we cut to... Well, the that is an entry plug. We realise. And the in the inside the entry plug, we have Shinji. Yeah. And he's sitting in a cockpit. Yeah. And the cockpit looks quite comfy. Yeah. And he's got these... Form-fitting. And he has, like, these two... There's no steering wheel. No, these two long control gauntlets, kind of. Well, not gauntlets, because they don't... They're like handles that he holds onto. Yeah, like, it's yeah. hard to describe them. Like, two poles like? at the side with, like... Uh... Yeah, like they're kind of like the ends of guns. They're like trigger... Yes, trigger, yeah. Um... But on these long, kind of, like, extended arm things. So yeah, and you can, like, lock them forwards and backwards. Yeah. They sort of make a sliding... sort of. Noise. And he's wearing his school uniform still, so he yeah. hasn't changed. But the, the only addition is he has these two... I don't want you to even call them. Like, they look... A tiny bit like ears, but these two like metal yeah. clips on his head. There's no headband. They look like they're just attached directly. I think they're to monitor like brain activity yeah. and stuff. So you can imagine them being like a kind of ECG pad or yeah. something. But at the same time, they are attached to his scalp Through above his, his hair. hair. Like yeah. just kind of. Well, they make me think of those things that um, profoundly deaf people have. Yes, those are uh, implants. Yeah, uh, and they have something under the skin, but then they have the magnetically attaching. Well, this is what I was thinking of as well. But mm. did they do quick surgery on Shinji to yeah. put two magnets under his skin? <laughs> Meanwhile, the angels upstairs is going bam, bam, knocking so, on the front. Sixteen hours later, after surgery. Yeah, we have to have the surgery before we can fight. So Shinji uh, is in the tank and. You see the same control room from before, and now nerving control, and they're commanding Shinji in the cockpit. And it's a very slick kind of military esque operation. Like you know, it's like they've been preparing for this. Yeah, yeah. And um, Shinji, uh, just because his day gets better and better, the entire cockpit fills with liquid. Yeah. This he's uh, like oh, it's coming up past his knees, past his like belt. And he's like what? So in seconds he's submerged, and this is L- this is LCL. Yeah, can't remember what that stands for. <laughs> no, I could look it up. Yeah, I think it's got like a weird. 
I, uh, you find out some stuff about it later, which we won't spoil here, but basically uh, he's told it's, it's oxygenated water. Yeah, and he doesn't have to worry, he doesn't have to hold his breath because this will this will manage all yeah, and, and for some reason it's very important like you will you'll breathe it while you're in the the tank yeah so he holds fill your lungs and you're sorted so he holds his breath for as long as he can uh, exhales takes a deep breath of this LCL but then starts breathing and to his credit he just gets on with it like yeah. he, he's just doing it really yeah uh, and they start launching the EVA Unit 1 and it's a kid, very, very like Thunderbirds. Very much so. Things like wheeling away impossibly huge bits of machinery, like. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And, and this thing is the size of a rocket. It brings to mind like Cape Canaveral, like yeah. NASA launching a the, rocket. The level of launch required for a rocket yeah, is yeah. the same. And like they drain all the fluid from a tank, these giant restraints clip loose from its yeah, shoulders and it has this huge plug in his back yeah which has this long cable that's snaking away and like a rocket which uh, you know are transported to the launch pad on a on, on a, a massive sort of tractor table yeah what yeah. do you call them on a tra- uh, traction t- uh, treads like, on a tank like or... tracked wheels like yeah. Of, yeah yeah and like um, it starts they start moving this vertical giant purple humanoid thing. Uh, kind of horizontally it's yeah. not it's like a statue it's just being slid yeah, yeah exactly yeah and and uh, you know they're they're saying like you know all, all power to forward engines and you know yeah, giving yeah. Mili- like, clear sector 7c exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they, they they push it into a launch pad yeah which is kind of like it's got its back against a wall and it looks like there are rails running up behind its back straight up into the sky yeah well not the sky and you get like a wall. you get a shot where the camera looks up yeah and you see all these doors opening yeah so there is this head of the path it's going a to take. colossal vertical shaft yeah. rising above the Eva and they go like launch and it just goes Boom! Just like a like a rocket, and we see Shinji inside. It's like the worst roller coaster ride ever. It's like, it's like the G forces are incredible, and and you know the Eva is just shooting up rockets up, and we realise ah, because of course we were underground in this geofront thing, and now yeah. we're heading back. You got to get it back up city. to the surface, yeah. And you see like a map, and you see it going up through like fourteen stories, kind yeah. of like just like because <laughs> 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 a very sharp forty five degree bend at one point, yeah. and then carries up, <laughs> and then we get we cut to the city, yeah. Uh, nighttime, Abandoned. yeah, uh, uh, and a hatch opens in the middle of the city. Uh, a big hatch. It's got like red flashing lights around it, which I find quite funny because it's always just to say if there are people wandering around, like, oh, watch out for that! That yeah. big old hatch that's opening in the ground with a robot's going to come out of it. But, but there's be, no one anyway. It'd be like having a uh, a patch of tarmac the size of a city block. Yeah, which just is suddenly like, opened. Yeah, and it's like, oh good god, no! Do not walk across yeah. that. I mean, just imagine if I was crossing the road. Terrifying. Just it and fall past the neighbour that comes back. It, uh, we will touch on this hey, as, as the series goes on, but it is like, it is incredible to think that anyone lives here because it's terrifying. It's the and, railings mainly. That and the through. entire city is like a battlefield because hatch opens and boom, and suddenly the Eva is brought up to street level. Yeah. And, and he stood there in the middle of a street staring down a long city street. Yeah. And at the end of that... Towering street, above buildings. In absolutely, street, yeah. yeah. And at the end of that street, rounding a corner to face... Yeah, face to face with the with the newly revealed purple robot is the angel, and that's kind of it. The episode ends, and it says to be continued. Yeah, and you're like, wow. And so amazingly, we haven't even had a robot fight. Yeah, like for an opening episode, there's no there's no, no combat. Yeah, like for a series about yeah. robots fighting monsters, there is none of that in the first yeah. episode. <laughs> so yeah, so that is episode one. Yeah, that's everything that happens. And um, I mean, like as an opening. 
what do you think of it? Like, if you only had this episode to go on, yeah. what does this make you feel the, the following city is going to be like? Uh, not city, the series, episode. yeah, or well, the episode I, series. This, I mean, obviously, this happened. I watched this episode. This was the first thing I ever watched of Evangelion. Yeah. And I was hooked. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I, 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 it was, it was to me the perfect place to end an episode because if there had been a fight and most mecha anime that I've watched subsequently tends to try and have a fight every episode. Yes. Because then it, it gives you an action sequence and a bit of character development, whatever, every episode. But Evangelion decided, no, you know what? We're going to, we've got so much character and story to tell beforehand. We'll get all of that in. And then just as he's about to look, can he even do this? We don't even know if he's capable of piloting this thing. He's already said to his dad, he doesn't know how to do he's it. There's no training. No. He's reluctantly taking it on because Ray is injured and he's about to fight and then the episode ends and I'm just like, well, I'm going to watch episode two. <laughs> like, this is going to happen. Well, clearly, and, and this, you know, I, I can't even remember now what first led me to watch this. No, me neither. And I think I originally watched him on uh, YouTube. Oh, really? This, yeah, I think this was like 2000 and... That was back before YouTube managed to this, stop these things. This really was, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and before I knew any better myself. But it was like... Uh, Two th- I want to say it was 2006 or seven. Sure. Uh, I know I was in my final year of uni, but also YouTube was pretty much brand new. YouTube yeah, was only yeah. like a year brand old. This was back in the day when you could only upload a 10 minute video maximum to oh, YouTube. So split into three little chunks. Well, yeah, every episode, and I remember it now, was two 10 minute chunks and then like a two minute chunk <laughs> video. Because it's like 24 minutes long, yeah. or something, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, it just seems like such a different age now. Yeah. But. I, something led me to it. Someone recommended it. I don't know why. Yeah. But then I went and watched the first episode, and much like you, it clearly made me want to go back and watch a, and watch the next one. Like I, I think, in terms of like we, we've said, it's got its weird weaknesses and odd, odd moments in it. But in terms of like structuring your first episode of a story that is so complex, so intimidating, mm-hmm. and also so epic and big, like they, they did it really well. Yeah. Like that first episode, they they nailed that because it's so important to you know, not put the viewer off with all of this complication. Yeah. And the thing is, is that overall, some people aren't massive fans of Evangelion because of the complexity and the fact that so much is left up to interpretation. It's also, I mean, like, if I uh, I, I love it, obviously. That's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but if I were to be a harsh critic, I could say it is very kind of maybe a little bit pretentious. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah like oh, it's hugely pretentious. It, yeah. It's very big, big themes. And it's also quite, gets quite grim. It's quite hard watching at yeah. some point. Yeah, there's not many bright moments in it, really. But, but, but there like, are some. But like, obviously, as a series, we really like it. But that's like an opening episode. Uh, again, what do you think it does really well? Because I, I think one thing it does do very well is give a kind of like real world application or a real world context for some very weird ideas. Yes. Because like you could watch a story about robots or superheroes fighting monsters. And sometimes you don't need to be have certain things explained. Because it's like the, the, the monsters are evil. Yeah. Our heroes are going to punch it. Yeah. Our heroes are heroes. That's all you need to know. But in this, it's like, here is a giant robot. But, you know, as a real world thing, it requires... like. <laughs> a team of a thousand technicians to yeah. run uh, you know here's can't a, just turn it on yeah <laughs> it's like here's, an, here's a massive monster attacking and here's a big military operation here are tons of tanks you know mm. it's very kind of grounded in a weird way it is yeah you're right even though yeah. there's some really weird and out there stuff going on yeah no I agree that is a real big strength I think another one for me is is the fact that you know, this could have just been a story, as you say, about really cool robots fighting really weird monsters. But instead, they also added this character stuff. Mm. And I think as much as we say it gets dark and it gets heavy and stuff, I think I think Shinji's relationship with his dad 
and the whole reluctancy of piloting yeah. the robots is is really well communicated in this very very first episode but also makes it really interesting that's a really good point actually because you know you think for a show which ostensibly is for kids it's you know it's, it's not that's an oversimplification but but yeah when you think of a cartoon you think oh it's probably for kids surely there's a joy in being the hero yeah there's a joy in climbing into your mecca and defeating the monster. And that's classically how it's always been. And he doesn't want to do it. No. This is much more of a grown-up story. Yeah. Yes, it features a child. And yes, you could argue that because it's a cartoon and the child is a, the protagonist is a child, therefore this is for kids. But it isn't. Yeah. It's a complicated, quite cerebral, grown-up story. And yeah. yes, there were the really stupid, pantomime sexualized bits in it that maybe belie its true focus. Yeah. But when it, when it is on point, it is complex and deep. Yeah, because it's, cool. it, it's like... We talked about some of the weird, like, you know, some of the adults being uh, maybe weirdly uh, inappropriate around yeah. Shinji. And that's c- kind of like, it's a very, maybe, I don't know, I don't want to give it more credit than it deserves, but it, it it does seem like it's about a child being put in situations he shouldn't be. Yeah. Like he's put in incredibly dangerous situations. Absolutely. And forced to just be a man about it. And no one treats him like a child. No, that's true. He's never given the support or care that a 14-year-old boy would need. And I suppose this is the definition of a coming-of-age story, which is probably the first thing you would describe it as from a character perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's all about Shinji as a boy, you know, discovering maybe what it is to be a man and by partly having to step up and fight in a dangerous situation and, and just because he's the only one who can, coupled with the fact that he has these women around him who are older than him, more sexualized than him, and he has to react to that as well. Yeah. Sort of brings all of this coming-of-age stuff into one handy little package. Because it's weirdly, like... It's it's a very... I don't know. It's like you think, like, he's at that age where he's going through puberty. And it, this does seem to be... Everything about this show is... There's very, very cool bits, but it's also, like, some very uncomfortable bits yeah. for Shinji. You kind Definitely. of feel for him, because it's not glamorous. No. It's not sexy, glamorous. That's the best or, word for it, yeah. really. It's never, it's never glamorous. No. It's, it's never made out to be, like... You know, so many other mecha story, uh, mecha anime stories are about the kid who wants to be the ace pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to be the best mecha pilot that's ever been. And I'm going to be the strongest and I'm going to fight all the alien menace. <laughs> I don't know what this voice is, but I like it. Um, and, and this one, he is, you know, there's the classic hero story of, of refusing the call. Yeah. You know, but this is way beyond that. Yeah, He never, is. ever wants to pilot. It's forced one. on him. Yeah. It's not like... You know, he, he, you know, he, he doesn't want greatness. You know, he doesn't claim greatness. It's like literally, he's being forced to do something he doesn't want and to do. And he isn't great. He is no different to you and I. He, I mean, he's he's actually a little bit weird. In the yeah, head. arguably, he's but a, he's he, very average. Yeah, and as we learn, he's a very troubled kid. Yeah, and it's like as a lot of kids are. But it's like you could take everything about this show, and you know, keep the angels, keep the mechas, keep the characters, but you could you in a different hands. This could have been a really cheerful yeah. Saturday morning kind of bubblegum. And I've got to admit, I think that's what I went into it expecting. Yes. Because as a kid, all the cartoon shows I'd watch, and I watched this when I was about 18, 19, so I wasn't really a kid anymore. Yeah. But in terms of all the cartoon shows I'd ever watched when I was younger, they were all so upbeat and they were always happy ending. And mm-hmm. the hero was always the hero because he wanted to be the hero and there was nothing more complex than that. Yeah. Um, and this being one of the first animes I'd ever watched, but also one of the first cartoons that I realised wasn't for kids, mm-hmm. I was like... Whoa, this is really yeah. different. It's very adult. Yeah. And it's very, it takes a very, I mean, yeah, like, I'm, I'm picturing now the, the alternate universe where this is cheery. <laughs> yeah. Like, where this is kind of like, Shinji hops in his robot and goes and punches an angel. Like, Way! it's amazing. Like, I'm going to be the greatest Evangelion man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, and it's like, 
It's I'm amazing. Punch all the end of Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like they they yeah. But it's like the direction was. This is going to be dark. Yeah. This is going to be dour, and it's not going to be fun. There's no. nothing. Well, it's a fun series, but there's nothing fun for Shinji as the hero. No. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like a Game of Thrones take on the mecha genre. Isn't yeah, it? it's like sometimes fantasy isn't fun. Yeah, that's actually quite a good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like um, the difference between people dark... die and have weird problems. Well, that's the thing. Like they talk about high fantasy and dark fantasy. Yeah, like Game of Thrones is dark fantasy. This is like like dark, dark sci-fi yeah dark, dark sci-fi mecha, yeah. yeah exactly yeah um, well interestingly like I mean it's been a very long time since I've seen episode one me too so this is like a recap definitely we talked about what it did well what do you think watching it again and kind of like with out rose tinted glasses or whatever what do you mm. think it it didn't do very well what was it, what was it failings what were its failings as an opening um, episode that's a good question because I, I, mean, I can think of a couple yeah well, why don't you start? Well, the one thing that immediately struck me is like um, a couple of odd character things. Mm. Like, uh, case in point, like Misato. Yeah. As a uh, as a character we're introduced to, there are some weirdly inconsistent character moments from her. Mm. Because, like, we're introduced to her, she's very happy-go-lucky, and she's like, hey, Shinji, I'm here to pick you up. And like, oh, there's a giant monster attacking. <laughs> she's never weirded out by the fact there's a giant monster attacking. No. And yet we know in the logic of the world itself that there hasn't been a giant monster... Well, 15 years has apparently happened. 15 years of nothing, yeah. yeah. And it's like, this is not a common occurrence. This is new. Mm. Then she takes Shinji to... Um, Nerve, the giant underground facility, which is called Central Dogma, mm. as we learn in later issues, uh, episodes. And of course, as one thing we forgot to mention is she is in charge when Shinji is in. She's in charge of operations. Yeah, she? when yeah. Shinji's in Unit One, she's like the field commander yeah. who's instructing him. And it's like, so she's apparently employed here. She kind of is has enough military clout to kind of run, you know, their 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 operations when we're attacking mm. the angels. And yet, she gets lost in the facility. Yeah. Also, another thing, I, I made a note, because I found this kind of weird. With the angel attacks, they almost die. They fix the car. They drive in. And she's very cheerful. Absolutely fine. Yeah. But then, they get to the facility. And it's very kind of like, they're just chatting. There's no kind of... She almost forgets that there's an angel. Yeah. Like, like no one is panicking that there's an angel above ground. Mm. And then... And then, and then, like, you know, there's this weird moment where, like, she introduces Shinji to either Unit 1. Yeah. They refer to him as the third child, which we later know means, it's, you know, it's a phrase for someone who is compatible yeah. with this as a pilot. And then when she's told that Shinji is going to be the pilot, she's really surprised. <laughs> like, this is, it's like, and, and this is kind of like a... I, I yeah, do, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit confused in itself, isn't it? So I think that's kind of weird because, like, there is, there's some inconsistent character moments in the first. Episode. Yeah, I think another example of one actually, because you just reminded me of it now, is Gendo's motivational aspect. So he he's sitting there cocky as the UN fire all these weapons, which ultimately have no effect at all. Yeah, knowing that he has something far far better, and he's just yeah. waiting for them to turn around and go, you know. Oh, all of our stuff didn't work. Please help us, Gendo. It's like silly, silly military. Yeah. They're not going to get it to work. And so we, that whole scene is framed as though someone, this guy, we don't know who he is yet, but this guy has the ace in the hole. Mm-hmm. But then we find out that the pilot and the, the 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 unit, the only ones that he knows for sure, work Unit Zero and Ray, 
are both damaged beyond repair. Yeah, because we don't see this, but no. this is inferred through dialogue. So he, he rests everything on the assumption that he can make his son pilot Unit 1, and that it'll work, and that his son will do a good job. He rests his entire career because the UN say to him, like, you better not make this up, you know, you, yeah. it's all on you. And he decides to rest all of that on a kid he's never seen in his the life. The first time this technology has been actively tested in the field yeah, in like fifteen. Well, we I mean, yeah. I don't know whether that's necessarily a character flaw or it's just the the absolute ballsy like belief in himself that he yeah. has. Maybe, it's a hell maybe of a that's leap. what it is. Yeah, but I don't know. I just find that like he he technically has nothing when he's he's bluffing with yeah. the UN because Shinji could have died on the way out because because he didn't even get someone to properly no. someone reliable to pick him up. If, should, if, <laughs> if being the third child is so crucially vital why wasn't he always kept somewhere yeah you know, why wasn't he always kept alive why wasn't he trained on some fundamental level like with video games or something so that he was ready yes why not give him training for years like Gendo pins far too much on a natural ability that maybe Shinji maybe has maybe doesn't yeah. we don't even know at this point in the story whether he is capable of piloting this thing well this is an interesting thing as well and I, I think like uh, you know with this things maybe you're right maybe this is just for sheer balls of this I guy I think maybe it is like as, as I've been describing it I've like maybe that's not a fault in the story it's just like Gendo is a disgusting human being and he just believes in himself but it's also like I mean <laughs> big themes in this series are like the unification of like faith and science yeah and Again, we're kind of entering into the realm of gogs like, with the things they're built. Yeah. yeah. And it's like so much of what we do works on faith. Yeah. The Belief idea yeah. it will work. Yeah, yeah, entirely. And it's like, you know, a lot of what we do seems a little irrational sometimes, but there is this kind of certainty that it will work. And I think maybe also, like, Misato is obviously some of the things you, you've raised are flaws in the story and how, and how she presents things. But Misato is painted all the way through the show, and we see it a little bit here, as a bit of a mess. Yeah. Like she hasn't yeah. got her life in order. She hasn't got um, uh, a man in her life which is painted as a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, her apartment is a total mess, which we all discover later on. And she's just generally very disorganized and very scatty and harebrained. Yeah, entirely. Yeah. And, and, and when we see more of her in later episodes, you get like, uh, you see more of her. And of course, like, everyone is very damaged in this series. And I think like, the point of that is, yeah, is to say, like, these are just people. You know, and if we're faced with an apocalypse level event, at the end of the day, there isn't some shining hero who will turn up with an impossible set of values and powers. Like, well, it is a little terrifying to think that, like, the fate of the world does rest on just human beings. Yeah, but also incredibly flawed human beings. Yeah. Like, but in a way, I think what Hideaki Anno is kind of saying is that, well, everyone is. Yeah. Like, you know, I know for certain that I couldn't, I couldn't step up and pilot that machine like Shinji does. No. And, and Shinji doesn't do a great job of it. Not to be, yeah, but of course, I've been like you've come from like a loving family and everything, and you're exactly. Yeah, like, I'm not, he, I'm not battle hardened on any level at all. But no, but he's, but he's like, well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. like not, he hasn't come from that, and no. he's incredible. He's even worse. He's coming from yeah. like a worse point. But we all have the things that we, the baggage we carry, yeah. the weird things we deal with, and I think although these are maybe like characterized and expanded, caricatured versions of that. Yeah, I think what he's getting at is like there aren't there aren't any heroes. There are just people. No. But it's interesting because I think from like a storytelling point of view. This is their, you know, we, we talk comics, so this is like their issue one. This is their episode one. Yes, it's how you So it's very, obviously, it's very hard. To, you've got to do a lot of setup. And to their credit, they don't explain a lot, mm. which is quite nice because yeah. it adds to the mystique of That's it all. True. But I think, like, you've got to establish the characters and stuff like that. And I think just in this first episode, and I think based on what we, we learn later on, I don't think the characters, as they appear in this first episode give a very good indication of the characters they become later on. No, that's true. And, I, and again, this isn't a criticism because I love the series. I think it's maybe just a necessary evil. Yeah, they haven't had much time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's like, you might be left with the impression that Shinji 
would be a happier character. And he's going to step up. He's going to be like kick ass. Yeah, of. like yeah. you know, certainly he's relatively well adjusted as he's he as good. he appears. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, a big thing about uh, this series, and uh, we're going to you know as we go on with future episodes, I'm sure this will become a recurring feature. Let's talk briefly about the angel. Mm. Because if there is a formula to this series, as it settles into a routine later on, an angel turns up, like pretty pretty much by clockwork, and yeah. they have to beat it. Yeah. Now, um, closest thing to Monster of the Week is yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, like, uh, hopefully, not too much of a spoiler early on, but the heroes uh, have access to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. And this is apparently a big thing where this impact that happened in the past, second impact, the one which kind of brought about the apocalypse as it yeah. were uh, was foretold as it were and humanity is forewarned so not only did second impact happen whatever that was we don't know yet no. but we know that angels are coming yeah so that's cut and you know that humanity has had time to guard against this mm. hence the evers so we're introduced to the first angel we've ever seen in episode one However, it is not the first angel. Technically, it's not. What is this angel, Nick? This is the third angel. The John. third angel? Yeah. And what's it called? It's called Satchel. Satchel. Mm. And, uh, and a lot of the names follow that sort of naming convention. Something ill. Does, uh, I mean, like, that's a name taken from uh, Gnostic texts. Like, uh, I, yeah, I, I would take your... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it appears in the Bible because I don't think they name many angels in the Bible with mm. the exception of, like, Michael or, or, that may even, or Gabriel. Maybe that might not mm. even be in it. But all the names are taken from Christian mythology. Yeah. And this is very much like the fringe Christian mythology, like the Gnostic stuff, like some of the weirder, more magical stuff. Mm. Do you have any information on Sakiel? Um... Apparently, it's named after the angel of water, Mizunotenshi. There we go. Uh, both forms of Satchel's bird-like face are used in uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion merchandise. Both forms of his face. Because oh, there we a, go. Yeah. So what do we know? I mean, this is the first angel we've seen, and it is a humanoid green creature with a bird-like mask mm -hmm. and a great big glowing core. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty good introduction to what the angels are like, isn't it? In that it's weird, but. You know, I guess this is the point where we have to use a bit of foreknowledge. Because I very much like the angels. This is one of the things that really sold this series Definitely. for me. Yeah. Sachiel, mm. Sachiel, whatever, probably not one of my favourite angels. No, he's... Uh, he's. <laughs> it's funny because I think they thought they had to maybe start sort of light. Yeah. Kind of. And as weird as we've said that he is, they get weirder. Yeah. And, and they get much more abstract in terms of like, this one has arms and legs. And I think in terms of creating uh, an, an antagonist that we could relate to as a, as a monster yeah. that can interact with our heroic robot characters in the same way, like combat hand-to-hand -hand kind of thing, they needed yeah. that to introduce it. Because it's like you've got to ease the... You need to ease the viewer in. A absolutely. So you give if them it's going to get weird, then you need... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to like drip-feed them some familiar things so mm. that you can kind of also introduced for weirder things mm. but we know this series goes to some really weird places and we know the angels just get weirder and weirder and mm. weirder so it seems like for the opening episode they went with the one which was most like a conventional monster definitely because it's it, it, don't get me wrong it's a weird design oh yeah it's very different to a lot of monsters you might see but as you say it's humanoid it's got arms it's got legs yeah you know it's yeah, yeah. It's got an exposed red orb in its chest, which you know might be a good starting point for attacking it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's not the best. It's not the best, no. And, a, and I think if we're going to like uh, over the series of this show, like rate the the, the yeah. coolness and the weirdness and the awesomeness of the angels, this this comes in pretty low because. I mean, it, it generally it is odd. It's got this weird beak face. Mm-hmm. It's got these wide shoulders. It's got these gills. It's got these exposed ribs. It's a weird creature, but we're spoiled by knowing what's coming. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and to be fair, there might be some scope later in the series once we get to a certain point. We could do an angel retrospective. Yeah, we could yeah. rank the angels. That would be see. quite fun, yeah. So, like, I mean, it's got to have a special place in Evangelion mythology. it's the first one. It's the first one we see. We see, yeah. Uh, it's very important in that regard. But... Yeah, it's quite a conventional monster, and we know we've got some weird and wonderful places to go. Definitely. Okay, so um, I guess one thing we, you know, one thing we want to do in this, you know, we want to talk about the various things that make each episode great in this podcast, and we're still cementing the format. Mm. But we figured you got to talk about the plot. Yep. You got to talk about how it made us feel, yep. which I think we've done. I think so. You got to touch upon the angels, absolutely. And I guess we have to touch upon Shinji. Now, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Shinji Akari. Uh, has become a kind of. Uh, he's a, he is a. Uh, uh, it's kind of his own stereotype, isn't it? Like he's become. He's a hero of anime. Yeah, he like is. yeah. Uh, when I say he is uh, a great character in anime, I don't mean he's a great person, one that we look up to, one that we want to be, one that we aspire to be like. No, none of those. But it's like if you have any kind of if if people have a bit of a knowledge of anime and they've seen a few shows and they have no Evangelion a lot of people know of Shinji yeah Shinji has got to be one of the the most famous victims in anime <laughs> yeah. in the entire genre the like classic he, conflicted protagonist like this guy does not get a break no life is horrible and, and we've, we've only seen 20 minutes of him so far yeah and, and it's all been bad so I think <laughs> I, I think in each episode we should rank the Shinjiness of this. Like, yeah. what is Shinji's life? How like? Shinji was this? How Shinji? <laughs> How many Shinjis would you give? <laughs> On a scale of one to Shinji. Because... That's lost all meaning. Okay, so, like, Shinji's mental and physical well-being in this episode, he's doing pretty well. Yeah. He starts pretty strong, I'd say. You know, yeah. he's talked back to his dad. He's dealt with some pretty world-shaking things that have just happened in the, in, in the space of about... Well, the episode's almost in real time. He's taken it in his stride. He has. Like, uh, if you only saw the first half of this episode... Yeah. ...and had to use that as a basis for where the series would go, you'd be forgiven... You'd get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Massively. You'd be forgiven for thinking that Shinji goes on to be the hero. Yeah. He goes on to be, like, have an awesome time, you know, pilot a robot, do really cool things. He's happy... Yeah, he's quite cheery. He's polite, a uh, little bit reserved, a little bit out fish out of water. Yeah, doesn't know what's going on around him, but at the same time, seems to be dealing with it all pretty well. Yeah. He's just gone to a new city. Yeah. You know, from his perspective, he's about to be reunited with his estranged dad. Yeah, that's kind of good. Could be. Uh, you know, that could be lovely. Could be lovely. But then, yeah, like suddenly he's presented with this horrible robot. Uh, he's guilt tripped into piloting this terrifying machine. He sees a girl horrifically injured. And, yeah, and learns that his dad doesn't really love him and is just using him mm. for his own nefarious purposes. And he, and he agrees to it. <laughs> and, yes, he's, yes, he's guilty into it. Yes, he's a bit of a pushover. But to his credit, yeah. he does it. He does. Absolutely. So, I think if we're going to call the shinginess of an episode, if we're going to define that term by how 
unlike a hero you expect someone to be. <laughs> yeah. So 10 is like... <laughs> okay, so like you're ranking it in terms of Shinjis. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so t- 10 Shinjis is peak Shinji. Yeah, just like... like and uh, th- Maybe that doesn't mean that much to people who don't know Evangelion yeah. yet, but those that do will know exactly what we need. So, we? so let's give us a benchmark where uh, one Shinji is a perfectly well-adjusted heroic Shinji. character. Yeah. And 10, ten Shinjis... is just 100% Shinji. Yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> And you'll know as the series goes on that a 10 Shinji episode is a bad one for yeah. Shinji. So uh, look forward to that. <laughs> How many Shinjis is... is, is... I, would, I would call this a pretty safe 3.5. I was, I was going for... I would say a 3. Let's round it to 3 because yeah. you said 3. Three minutes, so let's make it 3. It's a 3 Shinji episode. Yeah. He's... I think he reacts a lot like a normal human being, really. Mm. Like uh, he has to do something terrible, scary... But he does it. Yeah. He rightfully is a bit weirded out by this. Yeah. And he also stands up to his dad. Yeah. 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 Good. Like you know, his dad's a bit of a tyrant, a bit of an ogre. Yeah. But he goes for it. He's done well there. Yeah. So yeah. three Shinjis. Three, sh- that, three Shinjis. That's the benchmark. One. He started on three. Yeah. We'll see where we go as the series goes on. I wonder if he will ever get lower. <laughs> how how low can you go? Yeah. As Shinji. <laughs> how more well adjusted can he become? We we will put a scale on the website. When yeah. we when this is uploaded, there'll be a little scale. Little, so little Shinji face. So three three and a half Shinjis. <laughs> Finally, let's I mean we'll we'll try this format will become a bit more solid as yeah, we go. Yeah, this one's on. a bit more rambly because we've kicked it off, but yeah. We'll, as an episode, how many impacts would you rate this episode? Where one a one impact is is awful. Ten impact is fantastic. Ooh, I would I would call this one. I would I. You see, I think it was I. I enjoy. It was a strong episode. Yeah. I think I'm going to call it a seven impact episode. I, you know, I hate to be I hate to be I hate to mimic you, but I was going to give it a seven as well. Brilliant, because it's a good opening, but it's not quite indicative of what the series will become. No. Absolutely. But it's a pretty grand beginning. And, and you know, although it's a, a while since we've seen it, I'm pretty sure that, that leaves us enough space for the amazing stuff that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, uh, there we go. I mean, do you have any uh, closing thoughts for this opening? Um, not really. Other than other than I'm really psyched about seeing the next episode. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I've watched this so many times when I was younger and I feel like I know it like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. And yet just watching that episode again, like I could predict every scene. I could practically predict like what people were going to say. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? It's ages since I've seen this. And it's when, nice to relive it again. When the yeah. black screen came up and said to be continued, I was like, oh, I want to see more. So all I can say is, you know, episode one has left me psyched for the next episode of Evangelion and the next episode of this podcast. Exactly. Well, I think uh, I think we we did pretty well there. That's yeah. what I was, I was uh, for a slightly rough and ready and uh, yeah for the first uh, first episode. This is yeah. our pilot, so uh, feel free to do a podcast about our podcast. Yeah, you, you could do. Yeah, this is the uh, yeah the the rewatch, the yeah. re-listen of. Uh, so. Um, yeah, thank you for listening to the very first episode of uh, Nick and John. Is this? Evangelion, Evangelion, the Neon Genesis Evangelion rewatch podcast. And uh, just because we ended on a cliffhanger on the episode, I hope you will rejoin us for episode two. Yeah. And uh, I guess we need a sign out. So uh, just remember, however bad your life may be, you could always be Shinji Akari. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I guess see you next time. We will see you next time. All the best. This podcast, and others like it, is made possible thanks to our wonderful backers on Patreon. To support Big Punch Studios as we make comics, like 
Afterlife Thinking 7-string, games like Sandwich Maskers, and podcasts like the one you've just been listening to, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash bigpunchstudios. For just $5 a month, not only will you help make everything we do a reality, but we'll also send you four copies of Big Punch magazine a year. That's over 180 full-color pages of comic action, featuring Cuckoos, Orb, 99 Swords, and Catamarang, delivered straight to your door. This has been a Big Punch Studios production. For all things Big Punch, be sure to head on over to www.bigpunchstudios.com.